it's time to go beyond the locker room talk and listen in with me, GB, producer Jay, former patients and current friends of our own Cornell-trained, world-renowned urologist and surgeon, Dr. Michael Hyman. Let's talk about the issues on men's minds where no topic's out of bounds on another sit-down with two men and a doc. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Good to see you. Good to be seen, as you like to say, GB. Good yeah. to see you. Doc? I am very glad to be here and <laughs> to see you guys and to just... The Doc's had a long weekend. Yeah, well, you know, been on call, had some stuff. Oops, I'm getting more. I just got paged. So, you know, it's busy, yeah. but and it's good. That's, and you've guy, you, you guys know. both have uh, weekend whiskers. Yeah. <laughs> I walked in. I, I saw the Doc for literally a minute yesterday because he's walking out you know, like a superhero to the hospital on a Saturday. The work never stops. Well, when you're on call, it seems that way. But, you know, you do what you got to do. I mean, that's that's a job. Can't say I always love it. <laughs> Is it the same thing where these some of this stuff they could have asked you on Friday or Thursday? But Well, no, I mean, some of it's like the hospital. It, it's, it's actually mostly hospital phone calls, and they got somebody in the ER oh, that needs consult, yeah. yeah they they like a consultation or something so hmm. but you know it's uh it is what it is i mean that's that's the job that's the job that's, that's why you get paid do. the big bucks right. i don't know about that but you know it's not to uh, mention you know, the podcast money there you go yeah <laughs> this podcast is yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh yes that's why we bring it to you all ad free because we don't want to burden you that's with right. with compensating us for our time and, and humor and knowledge there you go so jay how are you doing i'm I'm doing I'm doing well. This is uh this is a unique a unique episode for us because um this is this is a little story time that I'll be telling and uh walk you guys and the and the listeners through some some events from my uh, recent past and and get the doc's perspective and as well and uh as yours as well GB. So thought it is unique because you usually never talk about yourself. That's true to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's actually not true. I um so there was uh, I'll keep the I'll keep the preamble short, but basically last summer, uh, and and you guys know some of this, the doc probably more than than UGB, but I um, because uh, I was calling him like, what the hell should I do? So last summer I was having just some stressful situations, and I was having maybe once a month, once every six weeks, a terrible pain in my abdomen late at night, like two a.m., three a.m., and it would last for three or four hours. And then it would go away. And, and it's happened maybe four times over the course of a number of months. And when it's that intermittent, you don't know what is going on. I was keeping a food log. And I'm talking a, abdo my entire abdomen just in pain in the middle of the night. No medication was working. Was there like work issues or marital issues? No, well, it children was... Children issues or parent issues? Well, we all on? have all of the above, right? right? <laughs> right. That's pretty much... Who doesn't have all three of those things? Right. It, it was... It was No, it was more uh, work... It was definitely work-related. At least I was feeling stress work-related. I didn't know if that's what was going on. Certainly my first thinking was what? What would you expect me to think if you've got stress? Your body's reacting to and what's ulcer. going on. And ulcer, right. At work. I thought... I, you hear the word ulcer, you hear it's related to stress. I figured it must be an ulcer. So uh, after a couple of these episodes, again, spread pretty far apart, I took... Um, Were you angling for disability? <laughs> I was not. I was angling for a good night's sleep. So I took Prilosec, which is... Is it a statin? Is that what it's called, Doc? No, no. Prilosec no, it's the purple is a, pill. It's a pump. 
the there's inhibitor. The acid, yeah, the acid that's produced in your stomach gets pushed into the you know space of your stomach, the lumen as we call it, by these little tiny um, submicroscopic pumps on the surface of your cells that are called proton pumps because protons in uh, are, are synonymous at least in the biochemical world with hydrogen ions and hydrogen ions are synonymous with acid. In this the, sounds like an episode of the Big Bang Theory. But it, there you go. But so when will, you when you inhibit this proton pump, you don't get this acid pumped out of the cells and into the stomach. And Prilosec is a pu- proton pump inhibitor, so you get it's basically reducing the acid within your stomach. Right, and what and since I thought I had this ulcer, my understanding is that this without the acid, it gives your stomach a chance to heal. Right. And you take it for 14 days. Because when you develop an ulcer, like the protective lining in your stomach that, you know, sort of protects the deeper layers of the stomach wall has been eroded. Right. That's what's ulcerated. So how do you know if you have an ulcer? Well, that's exactly the question that I was about to ask because I, you know, I'm just diagnosing myself here and I'm taking this Prilosec and and I'm feeling better. So I thought that's what it was. What is it? An endoscopy? Is that really the only way? So the yeah the the real absolute way of diagnosing it would be to see it and the only way to see it is by feeding a scope down the esophagus and into the stomach yes which is fairly invasive fairly invasive there are some other types of tests they'll do because what they've learned in the last 30 years or so is that a large number of these ulcers are actually caused by a type of uh uh infection, a type of bacteria, very specific bacteria called H. helicobacter pylori, H. pylori. And it turns out that this very unique bacteria, which thrives in an acidic environment, that's why it's very unique, can be detected on a special breath test. So they'll sometimes do this breath test. And if it comes back positive for H. pylori, they'll sort of infer that, okay, positive H. pylori, having classic pain from, you know, what we would expect an ulcer to cause. So like acidic foods, hard liquor, you know, these are the, you know, types of things that um, make those ulcers more inflamed and agitated. And then, of course, drinking milk gives it relief because it's sort of a, a base that counters the acid or, of course, taking Tums and other antacids will relieve it, or in your case, a Prilosec. So they'll put all that clinical picture together and then a positive breath test for H. pylori, and they'll make a dedu- you know an inference or a deduction that that must be an ulcer. But the only way to know absolutely is by putting a scope down. And yes, it's a little invasive. And scope down your throat. Your esophagus. Your esophagus yeah. all the way down into yep, your stomach. Yep, yep, yep. And my problem was it was happening so infrequently and the last time it had happened was, I think, October. So cut to, I have a new doctor in... Wait, wait, quick question before we get into that. So this breath test, if you have an ulcer, does that, and, and your flap in your esophagus doesn't work, does that mean you'll have bad breath or not necessarily? Not necessarily. So I go to this doctor and I haven't had this happen to me now in, in six months. And I say... Hey, by the, the way, the same doctor that gave you the Prilosec? No, well, I gave it to myself. That's over the counter. It is over the um, counter. I, uh, I, although I did consult with uh, Dr. Tannenbaum, uh, who's the <laughs> noted ophthalmologist who knows a lot about ulcers, I guess. <laughs> no, I always talk to my father about this stuff and who gave me wise advice, as always. Um, and uh, so I see this doctor, and he's just doing the regular history. And 
I mentioned this because I was curious. You know, does he have you any You know, thoughts? there's another Dr. Tannenbaum, ear, nose, and throat. Uh, sp- no. No, the Dr. Tannenbaum in Burbank, the, um, the eye doctor. Not related. Yeah, not related. He might not have taken my calls as quickly as the, as the New York Dr. Tannenbaum. Oh, um, yeah. So, anyway, this doctor says exactly what the doc, of course, already brought up because knowing all. Um, and he said, we should give you a breath test. He, he did not want to do the endoscopy. It hadn't happened to me in a while. So I do the breath test, which was interesting. I've never done that before. You, you blow into these two, I think they were like, almost like mylar, like it really held the, like a balloon, you know, and then they sent it off somewhere. Oh, I had to drink something. I don't know anything about yeah. this. This is beyond the scope of my knowledge. No, I had to, I had to drink something, for, you okay. know, like it was like a bubbly water kind uh-huh. of thing. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, so that comes back negative. Uh-huh. But keep in mind, I haven't had. I haven't. And had keep this in mind, it doesn't totally rule out an ulcer. It just means it's not the H. pylori type of ulcer. Okay. Well, his thing was, listen, let's not. He he said, there's a number of different ways we could go with this, but you're not having it now. Let's not get crazy. Um, let's do the breath test, but we'll keep an eye on it. So then, um, I've had some. I had some more stress at work, and. I had two of these episodes in the space of three days or four days. And the last one was, was way worse than any of the others. So I'm, it's two in the morning, three, four, five, six, seven in the morning, and I'm still almost doubled over in pain, hour after hour after hour. At which point my wife says, listen, I'm taking to the ER. I'm calling 911. It's one or the other because she's looking at me like I can't. I don't know what to do with you. Um, so I go to the ER, and um, I'm still in this has well, at least she didn't say, I'm calling 911 so I can get back to sleep. Right. <laughs> she offered to take you. That's a good sign for the marriage. It was nice. No, she took very good care of me. Um, and uh, I'm in the ER. And it's and keep in mind, it's always gone away after three hours in the past. And you know, I'm just going to interject here because I, I do think some people, and I, I believe you're one of those kinds of people, some people are just better able to suck it up. And just be like, I'm just going to endure this pain um, than others. I, I think you're one of those people. Um, your wife, obviously, was smart to, to get you out of there. And, and I think, especially as guys, you know, I think guys tend, I mean, women are that way, can be that way too. People will just be sort of, you know, for lack of a better term, stubborn about or stoic about their pain. And they'll just be like, I, I can take this. I'll wait until I'm going to go see the doctor. I'm certainly not going to go through this hassle and rigmarole of going to an emergency room. Oy, oy, oy. But right. the fact is that when your body is telling you something like that, and especially abdominal pain and, you know, other chest pain, severe head pain, you, you have to, especially at this stage of our lives, you have to listen. Right. Um, you've so got, what, what, and you got to go. And I think it was the right thing to do is the bottom what, line. What are the other characteristics that make him the man's man? To suck it up, whereas like well, I, I stub know. my toe and I'm I, on my way to the ER. I don't know what the character. I don't know about that, but what I want to say is, what's the what's what we call the differential diagnosis of severe, you know, kind of upper abdominal pain? What are the possibilities? You know, well, I didn't know it, but your point. Listen, you could cut together practically every epi- every episode. I'm the one saying, listen to your body. Right, right. And, well, his point is, and he's I saying you're studly and tough. No, that, that's really what he's saying. <laughs> and, and and stupid because I wasn't practicing what I preach. Right, right. And the the reason for that, if I can explain it at all, is it's maybe this unfounded 
I don't know, optimism is maybe the wrong word, but like I, I had this pain for a couple hours, it would go away and it would and it wouldn't come back for a month or two. And I always thought, well, that's the last time that's going to happen. But you were probably linking it to work. I was linking it to work. I was I thought maybe something I ate. But here's the critical fact. It had never happened before. So whatever was going on was out of character and I should have done something more. But to my own internist advice, he's like, listen, it hasn't happened in a while. We'll do the breath test. But, you know, if it happens again, let's let's talk. So what happened was it accelerated very quickly in these other two episodes. And the last one being this this one that was so bad. So I finally did listen to my body, or my wife certainly did, and uh, we went to the ER. It was very hard for me to even just move around, but I, I got over there, which side She note, drove, or you had the no, no, ambulance? Yeah, no, of course. No, no, she drove. I could, I was, yeah, I was, in, I was a wreck. Um, also, I was so tired. You know, you, you're tired, but you can't sleep because you're in so much pain. Um, so I'm in the ER, and... Uh, at this point, Dr. Hyman here was... In a COVID ER? No. No, what do you mean COVID ER? There was no... This was during COVID, right? Well, this is a month ago. Six weeks. I mean, it was... Yeah, they're not They're not doing any special protocol now. Okay. They tested me, which I, I actually... Well, I'll ask you now, as I did want to ask you this. I'm in the ER. I'm on a gurney. I'm in terrible pain. I need care. They take a COVID test. It was negative. If I had been positive, what what would have happened? They would have put you in isolation. You would have still been evaluated, but they wouldn't have. Like I, I saw you when you were in the ER. You were in. They put you in a hallway. I was in they, a hallway. Yeah, you were in a. You were in a yeah. public space. They would have put you in an alley. No, would, they would have. They would have put you in an in a in a. There's special rooms for people who have positive COVID that are okay. on negative suction. It's pulling all the air out so that uh, the yeah. I wasn't it's sure a, if they put specially me designed room back in my car. And no, send me home. They, they've got these specially designed rooms. For people who are positive for COVID. Got it. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Well, yeah, I was in a hallway by like an abandoned elevator yeah, yeah. like all day. And yeah. you know what? I didn't yeah. care. I wasn't bored. I was just like so <laughs> happy to be not in pain because right around one in the afternoon, yeah. I finally wasn't in pain anymore. Wait, where, where was your wife at this point? She was she was there. She went home at a certain point and then came back. Um, I was of no use. And the doc appeared like a mirage, um, <laughs> sat down <laughs> in a chair. By. He was doing rounds, which was nice. Um, yeah. And uh, made, you know, I think... Grease some of the wheels around there. At least it felt that way. <laughs> so um, anyway, I end up getting X-rays that don't show anything. I get, you know, they're doing all the various tests, and finally, about six o'clock at night, they do an MRI. Oh, they did um, an, uh, the um, ultrasound. Ultrasound thing. I knew it was simple. Um, that didn't really show much. They thought I had a gallbladder stone, but they didn't. the The doctor on in the ER didn't feel like that was an issue. Um, because of where it was located. So it, finally at 6, 6.30 at night, I've been in this gurney in the hallway for eight hours or so. Um, they do the MRI. And right away, they, they admit me. Actually, Wait. they admit me to the hospital, but they didn't know yet. I, they didn't have the results of the MRI. Quick question. Is there a billing code for the hallway space that you occupy on the gurney? No. Just no. the ER. Although one of the people that visited me was the one who took my credit card while I'm lying on the gurney. <laughs> That's what they do. Yeah. They were they were on that. Yeah. Um, which was it was fine. They were offering me, you know, like the ten percent discount if I pay in full. <laughs> um, Is that true? They well, they had called the insurance company. I know this is your favorite part. They 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 had like talked to the insurance company, they figured out what my deductible was, so they kind of figured out what I would end up owing. And they said, if you pay it all now, we'll, we'll give you a little bit of a break. Or they were fine to send me a bill and not pay anything. But 
I wouldn't get the discount. Did so. you ask for parking validation? <laughs> I did not. Um, so I, they admit me to the hospital because they wanted to see what... It wasn't until the next day they were going to get the MRI results. The next day, they get the MRI. Now, at this point, um, they... Are you still in the hallway overnight? No, <laughs> thankfully. I got a room. And I was feeling fine. I hadn't eaten anything, so I Pri- was... Private room? Yeah. Nice hospital. St. Joseph's. Um... So this is where the doctor comes in the next morning and says... Wait, 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 hold on. The doc? No. The, the doc doctor, or doc. your doc? Well, it was actually your doc. It was, uh, oh. it, it was our shared gastro guy. Got it. Um, who wasn't... He was what? Was He was just doing... He was the attending on that day. Is that, what, is that why he was there? Mm. I saw three different guys from that practice, one of whom did the surgery. Um, I think that day he was just doing rounds. So wait, no, the the surgeon is not in that no. gastroenterology practice. Oh, he's not. No, he's just separate, completely separate okay. practice. Well, but the but the gastroenterology practice has multiple, you know, doctors within the practice, and each one sh- you know takes their turn. Yeah. Uh, being in charge of the patients at the hospital. So yeah, it's probable that they. You know, one guy was on one day, and then the next guy was on the next exactly. day, so he signs out. And, that and it just so happens the first guy was someone that, that I have seen before. Um, so, anyway, he comes in. He's like, listen, we haven't, I don't know why we haven't gotten the official results yet, but I know exactly what this is. And he's like, you have a gallbladder stone. And that gallbladder stone is blocking, is it just called the duct or the? Yeah, the, the common bile duct. The bile duct. Yeah. And it's blocking it. And so this explains everything because he didn't say, hey, aren't you that podcast guy? Right. Mm-hmm. Actually, actually, uh, it did come up. Um, All right. Because I, he mentioned that I know Doc over here. And I said, yes, I do. He's a friend. And also, a, um, you know, we, we work together on this show. And he's like, oh, you're one of those guys. Yeah, you're one of, the, and he, you're and one he of the men. He mentioned you as well, GB. So uh, for moments of fame. Um, and but is he a listener? No. <laughs> <laughs> so he can say whatever we want about it. So he said that this stone has been floating around. And when it's floating around, if I'm, you know, yeah, tell, no, tell right. me when I'm wrong. When it's floating around, I'm not having any symptoms. Right. And then it sort of just like drifts down into this bile duct. And that's when I was having the pain. Now, what's odd to me is that then it, it gets dislodged and it went. And for a month, so I had no symptoms at all. So he the one who diagnosed this? Yes. So it wasn't the radiologist looking at the MRI? Not at that point. No. So, yeah, that can happen sometimes is that like I'll, I'll have somebody come in with like a kidney stone issue. And before the reading is officially read and dictated and printed and on the computer as a actual report, I'll take a look at the scan and I'll immediately see what's going on. And I'll say, you, you know, you're passing a stone. And then the radiologist will do a formal reading. That happens a lot. And, and, that, and that's what happened in your case? Sounds yeah. like it. Yeah. Yeah. And so he said it's it's lodged there and. So when the food is coming through and it's try- the gallbladder is trying to release the bile, it was getting blocked, which is when I would experience such extreme pain. So, so let me ask a really stupid question, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of serious about this. So if you're upright and you're experiencing the pain, if you invert yourself, d- will that dislodge it and it will come out? Probably, I mean, probably not because the, the gallbladder is, a, is, is, is contracting, so it's compressing fluid and in this case a stone inside it and pushing it into an anti-grade direction it's like directional flow so whether you're upside down or right side up it's going to do that and it's going to push it 
the least path of least resistance, whether you're upside down or right side up, is going to be down the tube. Yeah. So you're thinking of a sink which works with gravity. This does not work by gravity. And, and the same thing for a kidney stone. Correct. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, if I had known this earlier that that's what it could be, I could imagine myself at 3 in the morning, like, punching myself in the stomach or something just to dislodge this thing, anything to relieve the pain. I will tell you anecdotally, I would walk around, I would lie down, I would stand up, nothing was making it feel better. So he, he knows right away, and he's like, we're going to... Have, you're going to have your gallbladder removed. Emergency surgery in the next few hours. So uh, that's a little bit of a surprise, but okay. I mean, there was certainly a relief that they figured out what it was. But, but why removal? Why can't they get rid of that little stone that's in there instead? So that's a question for the doc. I mean, like, is does this come back to really the purpose of the gallbladder to begin with? And this Well, I, first, I, no, it's just access. I mean, like, a kidney stone is easy to get to because... We can put a little scope up the urethra, into the bladder, then up the ureter, right. and get to where that stone is in the ureter or up in the kidney. But a gallstone, you know, the it's a much more like tortuous route to feed something down the esophagus into the stomach, beyond the stomach into the what we call you know the duodenum or duodenum, depending on how you want to pronounce it. And then there's a little um, there's a little tiny, tiny orifice, way smaller than what we use for getting scopes up the ureter, um, that goes into a duct that splits off, and one one fork goes up to the pancreas, and the other fork goes up to the gallbladder where the liver is. Like they don't ha th that technology does not exist to be able to do that kind of maneuvering. And, and, and then to get to it to the point that you can actually feed instruments like a laser and break it up and suck it out and all that doesn't exist. And, mm. and, you, and you can't uh, invasively cut the skin and then cut the gallbladder. And well, then no, that, that's, I thought that's... Uh, no, but no, I thought he said he they took it out. Well, at that point, they just take the whole thing out. Yeah, they do. That's what he had done. No, 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 but why... why He's why? saying cut it to get the stone out. But it's a misunderstanding the access the isn't there right it, it, it's what can't can't you get to the gallbladder make an incision grab the stone out take it out sew the gallbladder back up oh, and oh leave. as opposed to taking out the whole gallbladder yeah, yeah yeah um they don't typically do that first of all because the gallbladder is one of those structures that's not like an imperative mm. you know it's it's one of those structures i don't know enough about why this is true but we don't really need our gallbladder. So it's only um, to digest like oily food or something like that? Yeah, and but you still make bile. Your liver is what makes bile. Right. And the bile happens to be stored in the gallbladder. And then it kind of gets released into your intestines when you need it. But it turns out that even if like you're, you're, that, that structure is gone... I, the, there's a, it actually, there's another Y sort of split... And one of these ducts goes to the gallbladder, and the other one's called the hepatic duct that just goes straight to the liver. And it turns out that even if your gallbladder's gone, the hepatic duct takes over and just feeds all the bile from the liver into your small bowel. So it's kind of like the spleen; you don't need it. Well, this is actually what I was gonna, what Kinda. I was thinking about. Like, it's not super necessary. In well, our, in what our is chest, the spleen, by the way. Well, hold on. In our that's chest, a whole other conversation. But that's that's what I was getting at. In our chest cavity, we've got you know, you think of your heart and your lungs and your liver and your kidney. These are like the Avengers of your of of the 
of your body at that point, at least in that area. And then there's sort of the, the worker bees that I think of. You know, you've got your, uh, the, your intestines and your bladder. But there's these other ones that no one knows what the hell they do. <laughs> at least we don't. Mm-hmm. Gallbladder, spleen, appendix. You know, it's like... Well, uh, some of them are <laughs> vestigial structures like the appendix. There really is What no does purpose. vestigial mean? It's, just, it's not useless. used anymore. Yeah. I mean, it was like maybe anatomically... I mean, uh, evolutionarily in precursors to humanoid species. Oh, my wife says that about my brain and my actions uh, at home. On this show, that. on the show, we are vestigial. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no. And then, and then, um, the gallbladder is not a vestigial structure. It does have function. Like the appendix doesn't really have known function. It's just there, hmm. um, as a vestigial structure. It's truly not in use. Although there's some theories that maybe it, in fact, we, we've overlooked something, and maybe there is some function to it. But the gallbladder is definitely one of those things where it may be that um, perhaps in younger, when, when in, I don't know, like I, for the most part, it is a structure that is kind of redundant in function. It's not really essential. So you can remove it, and your liver will produce sufficient bile to, uh, to you know, to, to manage things. Sometimes there's I suppose some, again, you can think of it from an evolutionary stand- point of view, like it's possible that, you know, there was some survival benefit to having a gallbladder. And, and how big is the gallbladder and how much does it weigh? It's it's about um, the size of a, a little smaller than an egg. Hmm. And an egg, well, that you, like uh, a bird's egg, egg or a chicken egg? Like like a little smaller, like, like probably about... Um, 30, uh, no, sorry, about 20% smaller than a chicken's egg. Than a chicken egg. It's like 80% that size. And it's soft and, and it's thin walled. And um, yeah. What, 100 grams? How, uh, I don't know. How did they get it out? It was all laparoscopic for me. How did they get it out of those little incisions that they Well, made? because like I said, it's very thin walled. It's Think of it as uh, something smaller than an egg that is thin walled. It's not stiff like an egg. It's thin walled. So it's like it's like it's very uh, mm. compressible. So it's very soft. So you can just um, compress. You can just literally suck, you know, pull it through one of those. Uh, the, the so-called holes are port sites. So they put a port in. The port is like think of it as a, a, a plastic stiff plastic walled straw mm-hmm. and it's maybe a half inch diameter so you can slide an instrument through that straw grab the gallbladder and literally pull it through the straw because it's compressible so, so it'll just go through the right, straw so and you'll pull it out so i have another question so <clears throat> so they removed this thing right so it was connected at the top and the bottom something like that but you said there was another structure like a pre-bile structure or something that that it will store the bile for the liver. What was that called? No, no, no. The, I didn't say that. The gallbladder itself is a bladder. The gallbladder is the structure right, that right, stores but, the bile. But, but, but the liver, there's another duct. Another duct. So right, right. That, that was my question. So the gallbladder sits there. It's adherent. It's literally kind of adherent, sort of, uh, you know, uh, almost think of it as stuck to the liver, this little, uh, this this little structure I described that's smaller than an egg, and it's kind of plastered up on the undersurface of the liver, and the liver is drop is putting bile into it, and then there's a tube that comes out of the gallbladder, and that tube courses 
down towards your your duodenum, your your the second part of your small intest intestine, but it also meets another duct that it's like a highway. That duct is one, and then right. a, and then another duct meets it, and they form a common duct that's called the common bile duct that goes all the way down to the. So it you, actually then goes through the pancreas and joins ducts from the pancreas, and then all of that dumps into the small intestine. So you've got to be careful when you're cauterizing. You do. You, you, yeah. it's, a, it's, a co- it's a known complication of this operation called a cholecystectomy. Which a what? Cystectomy. Cholecystectomy. Cholecystectomy. refers to, it always refers to gall, uh, to bile or gallbladder, chole. And cystectomy, cyst, cystectomy is like a bladder. Like we, we call a cystectomy when we re- remove the urinary bladder. But a cholecystectomy specifies that it's removal of a gallbladder, and one of the complications of a cholecystectomy is that you is that the surgeon accidentally ties off the common bile duct, which you don't want to do. You just want right. to, um, you just want that that gallbladder eliminated. Duct. That so I can no tell idea. you, you know, th- what the doc is saying is that your body adjusts. So it's true. They told me after a few weeks, my body would adjust and. You know, day after day after day, it was pretty slow, but I could feel my digestive system slowly just shifting, I guess. So you can eat your wife's food again? I can. I, you know, the doc was like, the doctor I had um, was like, you can eat whatever you want. and But that really wasn't true. I mean, it took a little while before I could start eating things that were not quite so bland or fatty. I mean, you know, I could introduce a little bit of, you know, a part of a burger, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, it was uh, it was an adjustment. But... Pretty relatively quickly, all things considered. Um, so anyway, I I have this emergency surgery, and uh, you know I, I wake up from it, and and they tell me it went fine, and um, I was able to. Here was the issue, though. It was what they found when they went in there um, was that it was infected. And what I don't know, Doc, is they say infected, and then you hear like enlarged. Like I don't know in I don't know how close it was to bursting, because that's where. I mean, my doc said if you know. I think this quote was something like, if you're a fan of Dylan, you could have been knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door is what he says to me. <laughs> um, and I think what he was obviously trying to say was this could have this could have gone differently. It could have been worse. Yeah. Um, now, what I don't know is how close it was to being worse. You know, how inflamed was it? Because I do understand if I'm if I'm understanding him correctly, if it's infected and it bursts, now I'm going to go into septic shock, I would I would assume. Well, there's several things to think about. I mean, one is. He, I know who your surgeon is, and he's an outstanding surgeon, and that's where definitely the you know, technical prowess of the surgeon can make a big difference. Like, if you have an infected gallbladder, it, it can mean many, many things. It could mean that there was pus in the gallbladder and that um, once that, once, when you have a structure, gallbladder or any structure, that's infected acutely, actively, the tissues of that structure, like I described to you, the gallbladder is sort of a thin-walled structure. Well, the, that, the, that wall probably would get thickened, edematous, meaning there's fluid inside the wall of that structure. And that wall of that structure is probably no longer as... Um, as uh, like pliable? You can't pull on it. Because, like, mm-hmm. normally a gallbladder is pretty is strong enough that if I took a little grasper and grabbed the gallbladder, the gallbladder and pulled on it a little bit, it would be fine. I mean, I could pull on it like like I'm kind of pulling on my skin right now. 
But if I did this on an infected gallbladder, it'll rip. Pulled on it, it'll rip right open. Ooh. And all that pus will fly out Ooh. all over the place, all over your abdomen. So it's a much more delicate situation. And I mean, obviously, I wasn't there, so I don't know. But those are the scenarios where some surgeons will look at that and say, okay, forget it. We are doing this open. We're not going to mess with this laparoscopically. So, they so can get clean out it all the, up yeah, with the so vacuum. Just take out those ports. Oh, cut me open. Cha- yeah, cha- get a whole different tray out. Uh, and yeah, we're doing this open, and they'd make like a, Gonna get a six inch, six inch <laughs> incision underneath the right rib cage. Oof, I'm glad I and, didn't know um, this. Yeah. And then, it, and that's a very painful incision, by the way, because it goes through what are called the costal mu- muscles. The, the it's a muscle incision. My six pack would have been impacted there by. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it's it's a very painful recovery because every time you sit up or twist or move, is that it's like a C-section painful. does the same thing? No, a C-section is less painful because a C-section they're making the incision above the bikini line there or at the bikini line and then they go vertically in the uh to separate the bellies of the um of the rectus muscle so they're not actually cutting through the muscle they're mm-hmm. going between the muscle so a c-section isn't nearly as painful as <laughs> the one for a gallbladder and like the infection that. wouldn't have been you can't see that on the MRI or anything like that. Maybe you might have. Maybe get, you might size. get a hint. You could say like the the radiologist might say the the gallbladder is thickened, and this is consistent with potentially um, an infected. But but, but what, wouldn't you, you know, take cholecystitis, a acute cholecystitis? You know, there's there's different diagnoses here. There's there's uh, a gallstone and pain from a gallstone. There and and the technical term for that is, and you don't have to try to decipher what all the Latin is here, but cholidocolithiasis, which just means stone of the gallbladder. Sure. Or it could be cholidocolithiasis. Right. Or it could be it could be cholecystitis, which is an infected gallbladder. And then some people have cholecystitis and they don't need their gallbladders but, out. But they just you? need they just need antibiotics. But that's what I was cholecystitis ask you. along with a gallstone, like that's pretty much like no, you can't just let that a blood sit. test doesn't tell you if no, 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 not for an and that's what that's something that people get confused about. They're like, well, all my blood tests are normal. There must be nothing wrong with me. Well, no, blood tests are not always going to tell you everything that's wrong with you. And can you all. can you pass a gallstone? Uh, it's pretty it's possible, but it's it's yes, it's possible to pass a small gallstone. You yes. wouldn't know it. But yeah, you wouldn't really know it. No. That's correct. So and whenever you get a gallstone you pretty much need to remove the gallbladder. No, no. There are lots of people, a lot of times they'll see an, they'll see like a gallbladder filled with gallstones. They'll do like an ultrasound or some other study for some reason, and they'll say, oh, hey, incidentally, by the way, this guy's got like a half a dozen gallstones, but he's asymptomatic. He doesn't get infected. He's fine. No, nothing to do about that. They would never do anything about but, that. But if there was a problem, somebody... If he got in cholecystitis... Along with all those gallstones, and they'd be like, "Okay, no, we're not screwing around. We 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 will." They'll do a. Sometimes they'll if if the guy got cholecystitis, but he wasn't necessarily like a gallstone wasn't obstructing him or causing problems. They might try to cool him down first with antibiotics, and then say, "Okay, we're not going to risk this. We got you through this infection. We're going to electively remove your gallbladder." So, is it fair to say that Doctor G saved Jay's life? Uh, Doctor G, his uh, he was the one that, that read the he's the one that read the MRI. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, listen, it's a it's a it's always a yeah, it's always a a team effort. But sure, you know the ER that listen, if the ER brought him in and the ER doctor said, ah, you look okay, 
you were in pain last night. It's probably just a this. You go right. home. And, and no, the ER doctor saved his life by saying, no, we're going to yeah. get all these tests. And, 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 and yes, what, the gastroenterologist did and the surgeon who delicately and expertly got his gallbladder What's out What's the safely. customary patient to doctor gift when the doctor <laughs> saves your life? You, you send them over to GB's right. office right. and you let them sit and be entertained by the most entertaining... Right. Entertainer oh. on the planet. Sure and what did you what did you say? I'm not Jeff? sure if that's a gift or a punishment. <laughs> but, um, I, uh, I I do want to give credit though to that. I mentioned how I went to a new doctor because um, I switched insurance, and I will. And he reminded me of this because he was also doing rounds that day at the mm. same hospital. Yeah. Um, he said, you know, don't forget, I said it could be the gallbladder. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, before he gave me that breath test, right, I, right. I, I purposely left this out of the story earlier because it would spoil the lead. But yeah. um, he said it could be the gallbladder, but let's not go there yet. Let's not send you for the MRI yet. Let's right. just wait and see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. L let's wait until the middle of the night one one day that you end up in the ER. No, no, and then don't, we'll determine don't it was forget, a gallbladder. I had had, I had, had <laughs> no symptoms for six months. I was telling him it almost yeah. anecdotally. Yeah. Um, now, I was also told... The, the cause of the gallbladder stone, which some people might be wondering, could be diet, could be hereditary. They just don't really know. Yeah, that I would not be able so, to comment so, on. So, Doc, is that the right thing to do in, in, in Jay's case? He didn't have any symptoms for six months. Would you get an MRI to rule out the gallbladder? Would you have... Well, I mean, this is not this something is not I your, um, Yeah, I mean, it's... it's because it's, yeah, hindsight's 2020. but like any guy who walks into your office and says, I had this really bad pain six months ago, what do you think? Like, no, that doctor wouldn't just start knee-jerking like every test in the book. No. Right. It's, it, you know, you try like, well, when did you last have it? Yeah, what but was Jay the got the new insurance. Right. All right. <laughs> I will say I was very pleased with myself that I got the MRI, like that I was able to do it because I yeah. I tried once before for a totally different oh, thing. Oh, because of the claustrophobia. Yeah, and I had to. I was I was like, yeah, no, I like ringing that alarm. Yeah. I just got up and I walked out the door. I'm like, I'm not really. Doing it. Oh yeah, yeah, I couldn't do it. Yeah, this time I was in such pain. I knew I had to yeah. find a way to muscle through it, and I did. And and what did you do? I'm curious. Well, it was interesting because I said you're not going to. For, for those of you who haven't had an MRI, listening, it it is intense. You're to go into that tunnel. And it's literally like put your hand, yeah. maybe um, you can almost hold stick your up tongue your, out yeah, and hold touch up your the, palm, you know. and then put your palm maybe like I don't know four or five inches from your face and your eyes, and you've got a that's how close it yeah, is. Yeah, and you've got like a two foot wall circumferentially around your body that's that close to you, making from loud head, noises from head to toe, making super and it's yeah. super loud. It is frightening. In twenty minutes or so. Yeah. Um, well. I said, you're not going to have to stick me all the way in, right? Because it's my abdomen this right. time. The last time it was my neck. So they were like, well, no, not, not totally. They, were, they could tell them. They were sort of hedging their bets a little bit. What, he, what they did was they did send me in a little longer than I wanted to. My, right. if, I, if I tilted my neck all the way back, you could see the I, other could side? Look, I could look out. Oh, that's um, interesting. But they gave me a mirror. Have you seen these things? No. It sat on my chest um, huh. like a like a car rear view mirror. Okay, and it was angled such that when I looked straight ahead, I'm looking not at this roof that you're talking about. I'm looking at the mirror, 
and the mirrors pointed back, and I could see the whole room. Ah, that's in, good. Including the operator behind that's the glass. That's a new. That's a new. Uh, do, do they ever give anti anxiety? Yes, yes, yes. I and they I do. They also or sometimes they'll try to sedate you, but the problem right. is in your sedated state, you might kind of sh- move around. And they, so d- did I, you get anti anxiety medicine? I, I didn't. I mentioned it, and they really didn't want me to do it. Right. First of all, you know, they, they partly are, because of what I'm saying. A lot of times, you get those. You get it, something like Valium, and then you're kind of like. Oh, uh, and you're kind of like yeah. moving your head and yeah. you're not following directions. And they're on and a clock. Like, they didn't want to wait. They, yeah. uh, they, they wheeled me in there, you know, exactly. literally at a moment's notice. Suck it up, Tannenbaum. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So the mirror was actually pretty large. So it's almost cool. like my entire field of view was like I was looking forward, but I was looking back. So that was pretty effective. And I just, listen, I was in so much pain prior to that. I just wanted it. I wanted the results, so I, I, ma- I managed to get through it. I um, I mean, when I've gone in there, I I don't know if anybody's done. I, I was raised by uh, my mother was a psychologist, psychoanalyst, whatever, and she would do these things called guided imagery with her patients, and she once like sort of taught me this technique where you basically you're just kind of you know you close your eyes, you really take you really kind of go into a meditative state. And you literally, as in the most detail you can possibly conjure up, you go someplace like you're you're you transport yourself in your mind, like on a hike or on a ski run or on a bike ride or on a trip or something that you can really um, try as as much as possible in in sort of real time travel to that place Mm -hmm. and 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 just concentrate intensely and that's what i do when i go in those mris and yeah. it, it really helps that's and, what and that's you, what gets me through it and you do that on thanksgiving too right i do it on thanksgiving i don't get with it. the family oh yes of course of course so i can take myself away of course <laughs> I've, or i've heard like you know you go back to like in my case my childhood home and like you slowly right. walk up the steps yeah and you just start many, looking at all the details right and you yep. remember what's on the yep. wall and yep. then you get to the top and which way do you go um, it helps a lot. I I will say also, I'm in the ER, GB, for like, you know, whatever it was, eight hours. And towards the beginning, they're taking vitals. And there's a woman in the curtain, behind the curtain, next to me. And she's talking about, you know, her history. And she goes, well, I had a kidney stone. Dr. Hyman took <laughs> it out for me, though. That was like, that was in December. So I knew I was surrounded already by royalty. And, and, funny. and right as I met the surgeon minutes before I went under... He said, Dr. Hyman told me I need to take very good care of you. <laughs> yeah. so I was like, okay. Yeah. I, I like it. As, yeah. as opposed to the surgeon's other patients. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. One of you the special well, treatments. Well, Jay, we're, we're, we're glad we're you're here glad. with us today. Yes, we are. Indeed. It's uh, It was definitely, you know, routine for, for anyone working in that profession, but for... The rest of us, emergency surgery is a little, yeah, a little disarming. Stuff. and Very, very scary. Yeah, and thanks for showing us your scar. Yes, my pleasure. So I did have this drainage thing um, for a day. Right. Because it was, that was draining, and it wasn't pus, right? It was just sort of a fluid? Just fluid because, uh, yeah, because. It was the size of, a, of an egg, like a. Right, there's like, it's bulb. called, they call it a grenade, but a it's grenade, like, yeah. that's what they call it. It's like a clear plastic. Yeah, it's kind of gross. Um, you know, this thing is probably 20% or 50% larger than a, than a chicken egg, but it's made out of clear plastic and you compress the plastic so that it's on like negative suction. You compress it and then pop something on top so that it's, it's sucking what's ever inside into it. And, um, we always put those in when we are concerned about infected fluid. 
Hmm. Because again, um, if you close things up and there's infected fluid in you, it'll turn into an abscess. It'll it'll just get more and more infected, and then you're in trouble. And they so were they were like watching a, it, I guess, for right, a day, they, right? They watch it. They want to see for several reasons, actually, because again, yours was a particularly complicated situation, infected gallbladder. You get more confused about what you're seeing, and you could have maybe accidentally cut the bile duct, uh, and then you'd get a bile leak. So they're watching to see if bile is winding up in that in that grenade. But of course, fortunately, there wasn't. Or let's say there's a blood vessel that got thinned out and then it starts bleeding. They'll see blood going into that thing or let's, you know, whatever. For a bunch of reasons, they put a drain. And then, of course, if it's infected, it reduces substantially any risk of forming abscesses and other problems by leaving a drain inside. So it's a it's a it's a conservative decision to put a drain in. And the saying in surgery is like if you're thinking about a drain, put one in. That's the saying. <laughs> oh, you surgeons are so Yeah. If you're thinking about <laughs> it, then you put one in because that's what the guy said about your backyard too. Right. <laughs> French drain. What uh-huh. I what I said to the doctor, you know, I had almost PTSD after this night of of pain. I said so if it happens again, like what sh- at three in the morning, I was like, what do I take? Is it a, is it one of these prescription pills? Is it a, is it Tylenol? He's go- and he looks at me like he didn't know what I was talking about. He goes, it's not going to happen again. Right. Yeah. And I said, I, I know, but if it does, like <laughs> what, yeah. what should I do? And he looks at me again. He goes, it's, it's not, not going to happen. happen. <laughs> That's funny. That, that is funny. That's I was funny. like, that just making funny. sure. So just lastly, doc, I mean, you hear about GERD and, Ulcers and people yeah. and reflux. What's yeah. GERD? What does that stand for? Gastroesophageal reflux disease. Oh, okay. which is like when you have like acid in your it's stomach heartburn, and it goes right? up your esophagus. Oh, I thought it was like a cheese. Nope. GERD. So, yeah. Those are higher up because for me it was like chest down or um, middle of my abdomen down, like my stomach. Well, this is but what I was talking about in the beginning. You can't really diagnose someone based on their symptoms. It's very difficult. I guess that's what I'm getting that's at. That's what you're getting at. And that's when I said in the beginning of the episode, I, I said, well, what was the differential diagnosis of upper abdominal pain? And no. the differential diagnosis is sort of what are the list of prob- probabilities in their order of probabilities? And in your case, that list was, you know, either... Not food-related. Peptic ulcer disease, yeah. which is... Uh, uh, you know, and and yes, cholecystitis, cholecystolithiasis. These are all diagnoses. So peptic ulcer disease we talked about. That's an ulcer in the stomach. You could also have what's called a duodenal ulcer. You could have uh, cholecystitis, which is an infected gallbladder. You could have cholecystolithiasis, which is just a gallstone that's not an infected gallbladder. The other part of the differential is pancreatitis. You could have pancreatitis, which is more common in people who are high consumers of alcohol, but it could happen in anybody. Um, kidney stone is part of the differential diagnosis. Some mm. people present like you, and in fact, you do a scan, you find out, oh, they had a kidney stone. Even though, it's yes, it might be on one side or the other side, it presented with mid or sort of upper abdominal pain. It's part of the differential diagnosis. They, you may have had what's called a staghorn or a really large stone that wasn't passing but sort of jammed in your kidney and just intermittently obstructing and giving you pain and then i'll tell you what else is on the differential aortic aneurysm that's on the differential aortic aneurysm or an aortic dissection so that's the big giant artery the big blood vessel that courses from your heart 
down your chest, down your abdomen, and splits off to your arteries, to your kidneys, your finger, arteries right? down to your legs. Yeah. Right. So that's the aorta. And the aorta can kind of balloon out from the pressure over uh, people's lifetime, and it can get enlarged. It's like this sort of widening of the artery, and it can burst. Yeah. And that's an aortic aneurysm, and that could happen. Or you can have what's called a dissection, where blood kind of dissects into the w- wall of the aorta and it starts to split the wall and you're saying and that's all painful. of these present themselves relatively similarly all of them I, I wouldn't say similar they just that upper abdominal pain episodic like you're describing those are all part of the differential diagnosis of episodic upper abdominal pain waking you up in the middle of the night just like you described and that's why somebody who walks into an er who has that story is probably going to be taken very seriously and be worked up aggressively to be sure that they're not missing something immediately life-threatening mm. so that they can rule out all of that stuff. So uh, you'd be expected that you'll get a gurney and be put in a hallway? <laughs> well, I mean, they they will do various things initially to help determine how acute and how concerning right. this is. Is it something that we've got to, like, put on the number one priority of, like, bumping everybody else so that you go first into the scanner, or can it wait? Well, the and, they, and they base it maybe on blood tests. Let's say, they, let's say they got his blood test and his hemoglobin was way down. Let's say they did his, his complete blood count, and lo and behold, his hemoglobin was, like, seven, which is, like, really anemic. And and he's saying I've got this terrible belly pain, and the and this and the emergency room doctor feels his belly and feels a little tense. Now he's worried, like, oh my god, I think this guy just like burst an aneurysm or something. We're gonna bump everybody and get this guy over to the CT scanner right now because if he has a burst aortic aneurysm, Stat. he's got to go to the OR like in thirty minutes, right? They, so they that's, did give me that's the, what they decide. The X-ray and the ultrasound both happen relatively quickly. Right. What does stat stand stand for? I forget, but it just means <laughs> he, he remembered duonucleosis, whatever. But he it was does remember stat. <laughs> so uh, yeah, well that's okay. So the bottom line is, a lot of it, things can present themselves with some some similarities, at least to you know cause this kind of workup. I guess, you know, like I said at the beginning, listening to your body is important. Popping, yes. popping yes. Tums is not necessarily the uh, It's a It's the obviously answer. a judgment. I mean, yeah. I, I pop Tums all the time. You know, not all the time, but every now and then I get heartburn, so I take Tums because maybe I, cause I do have a little reflux. Is, is the timing, that has to be somewhat indicative. But I mean, you're, you're talking about something more than just like, oh, a I'm uncomfortable, right. I feel this little heartburn, I'm going to take a Tums, right. I feel better in 10 minutes, I go back to sleep. But if I were like up all night long with severe abdominal pain such that I could not sleep all night, I mean, that's a sign like, okay, I got to I got to check this out. This yeah. isn't right. I was really I was yeah. in such a bad place. I was I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to live my life this way because I was worried about yeah, what if this happens and I'm on vacation? No. And when you, you start know, asking or yourself if I have a big like that, you got a real problem or whatever. You yeah, know, you got like, a real problem. Yeah. So anyway, that's the story. And uh, you reevaluated your life insurance since this uh, <laughs> incident. I did not. I, uh, would you? <laughs> yes, I would. All right. There you I go. don't know if I do anything different, but right. it, but I it would have crossed my Spoken mind. Spoken like GB. I did. <laughs> well, I did. you got to think about these things. Of course. So uh, yeah, so I was released uh, that, that next day and pretty went cool. home and yeah. went, went back it's to work stuff. pretty quickly and. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, that, a, that's a modern Well, that was an amazing thing. thing. So he, he like, gets the surgery yeah, done one day. That's modern And, like, era. two days later, he's giving a when big I was, presentation yeah, at work. When <laughs> I was training, you would have been in the hospital minimum, you know, five days. You would have been kept there on IV antibiotics. And especially because high likelihood you would have been opened. And then you would have been there for two weeks. Wow. Yeah. But Easily. if it wasn't infected now... I'm it's told I, I could have gone home that night. Yeah, it would have been it would have been an in and out. That's what I heard. In and out the same day. That's what I heard. Yeah. yeah elective removal of the gallbladder is. I was kind of bummed. Literally, will take them. Literally, I know the guy who operated on you, and he is super fast, and I think he can take out a gallbladder in like 15, 20 well, minutes. Well, technically, it wasn't elective. It was no, mandatory. No this was, no. no, this was urgent or emergent. Yeah, no, right. No, no, that no. was my point. Totally different situation. I, I was kind of bummed I had to stay that second night. I thought I was going to get to go home, but. Um, <laughs> That's the right you didn't want to stay for the food. Once it was infected, that was the end. No, the Jello was was fine, but no. Right. Um, so yeah, then right, uh, I you know All recovered, right. and here we are. There we are. So thanks for listening. I hope uh, that was useful good to stuff. some of you. Very and good. Yeah, Very to healthy good. days. Yes, for all of us. For all of us. Yeah, for all of us. Cool. Well, good to see you guys. Thanks good for uh, thanks for the time. All right, you guys. Thanks, it. Doc. So that's our show. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Two Men and a Doc is hosted by Dr. Michael Hyman, GB, and Jay Tannenbaum. Produced by Jay Tannenbaum. The views and opinions expressed here by Dr. Hyman are based on his medical training and experience. But if you or someone you know are experiencing any medical issues, you should, of course, consult your own physician. We welcome your questions about men's health or anything you've heard on this podcast. So write to us at mail at twomenandadoc.com. That's M-A-I-L at twomenandadoc.com. If you live in the Los Angeles area and want to see Dr. Hyman, you can find his contact info at drhymanla.com. That's D-R-H-Y-M-A-N-L-A.com. And these links are also in the show notes. That's it for this week. See you next time on Two Men and a Doc.